I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. Before we start, I got to do a couple uh, Patreon things. You guys ready? Ooh, so ready, Jesse. All right, guys. Uh, we're about to uh, dive into the instructions again. But before before we do that, I just want to give a shout out to two, count them, two brand new Patreon supporters. So we have, I, I'm sorry if I pronounced this wrong, but Brenda Sevchik and... Lee Miller. So those two people are now Patreon supporters. I'm pretty sure it's Lee Miller, Jesse. I don't know why that's... <laughs> no, it's a Lee Miller. <laughs> Lee, Lee Millier, I think, yep. is what it is. Uh, or Le, Le Millier. That's what it is. I and think I have so. to give another shout-out to Vicky Delaney, who sent me a box of Ferrero Rocher chocolates and an article about them. Which, yeah, me yeah. too. Well, I got for one, did you get too? Yeah, yeah. You guys aren't special this time. I oh. too was included. Uh, so thank you, Vicky. Well, then much. we all give a thank you because apparently yes. they were inspired by uh, by Lords, right? Yeah, that's right. Mr. Ferrero went to uh, the Lords Grotto and made this rocky looking candy, and uh, pretty cool to think there's a liturgical feast that involves candy. Do you think there's some healing involved when you eat <laughs> when you eat those? Do you <laughs> have any left? Saying. Or you, did you eat? All I brought your them no, to my Angelico fellows meeting, and they got eaten. Yeah, right away. yeah. I brought them to my kids, and they're all gone. Yeah, Jesse? yeah. We're 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 flesh out. Long so if you want to say more, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what are we talking about today? Well, well, I just want to say thank you to our Patreon supporters, and uh, you can support us at Patreon.com/slash/Liturgy if you're so inclined. So, all right, back to the regularly scheduled program. <laughs> okay, so when we uh, when we <laughs> When we last left, uh, Chris was in a bad previously on liturgy, guys. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we were uh, in the midst of uh, discussing the liturgy of the word, and our sources for this are principally the order of mass, but also the general instruction of the Roman Missal. And so we talked about uh, kind of a theology of the liturgy of the word uh, initially, uh, kind of what's going on and what's at stake, why it's important that we uh, appreciate the liturgy of the word, but also, uh, you know, how is it that it's, uh, we're walking through now the the rites and uh, rubrics for celebrating the liturgy of the word. And now we're up to number 61, which is the responsorial psalm. Is that how you guys remember it? I believe That's you guys. I remember it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is uh, one of the we offer like a handful of ways uh, of how to understand the liturgy of the word. And one is this dialogue, this word that goes back and forth. And so, you know, maybe to contextualize it in one of those ways is that God has just spoken to us in probably the Old Testament reading uh, in the Easter season. It's uh, it's uh, from the New Testament, from the Acts of the Apostles. And now this is our turn to turn around and talk to God. But again, not in our own words, it's going to be in God's own words. So that's what's happening at the uh, responsorial psalm. So this is what the germ says. Go ahead, Dennis. Well, just it's important probably to say it's a psalm, right? We just say, oh, responsorial psalm, and we don't really think. Psalms, where do they come from, right? In the sense, through the mouth and hand of 
King David, but inspired by the Holy Spirit, they were revealing the nature of Christ as all kinds of things, right? The triumphant Psalms, you have the victorious entry Psalms into Jerusalem, you have the songs that speak of the suffering servant. So all the words of the Psalms are Christ's or God's revelation of himself to the world. And so we sing about God back to God, not for his sake, but for ours. Speaking of songs, does anybody hear any music? Yeah, can you hear this? There's, I, my office is right above one of the choir. Sometimes I play the liturgy guys rap like way in the background just to kind of give us get us in the mood, you know, but not today. I think it's Dennis. Well, Dennis, I... I What's didn't... your favorite word, D-Mac? Ontology. I think you've got a great office and you get to hear uh, the choir there. But, you know, as good as the choir might be at, uh, let's see, at the end of paragraph number 61, it says songs or hymns may not be used in place of the responsorial psalm. You know, for the reasons that you're talking about. I mean, these psalms are 3,000 years old, uh, some of them. So what do they think? uh, Maybe David wrote half of them. Uh, but they're, you know, these are ancient things inspired by the Holy Spirit, prefigurements of Christ. So, yeah, that's that's part of their uh, their great importance. And they're also proper, right? They're one of the proper texts in a way. It's not the same psalm every week, every day, every Sunday, right? There's something proper often to the reading, to the feast, to the celebration. And um, so they're not just to be replaced by any other song. They're supposed to foster whatever the reading is from that day or whatever the feast is from that day. So... I know you can use them seasonally if you must, right? But ideally, you'd have the proper one for each day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's go to the text. Not the text of the Psalms, but uh, what the germ says. Yeah, we're going to read through every possible psalm for every day of the year. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to get way late at uh, 119. This used to be called the gradual, right? In the extraordinary form, the graduale. So, What's gradual mean? uh, A little by little. (laughs) (laughs) doesn't it mean uh, like step yeah gradus means step so i think either but i don't know why that is do you know well i think uh, either because it was sung from the step i've read that i don't know how true that is um i know there's a section of uh, psalms called gradual psalms Mm -hmm. that were sung as uh the they were like they're called pilgrimage psalms these are what in the 120s 130s where the chosen people where they go up to the temple this inclined this right. gradient they would does sing it, does these, it have but, anything to do with progressive solemnity as the steps of solemnity i don't think so i don't okay. think so but that's I'll go, back, I'll, I'll go back to muting myself yeah. <laughs> well, there's, there's an old book um that said it was as the deacon was going up the steps of the ambo to sing the gospel. Um, that's an older book. That's let me see there. The uh, footnote eight. What is it? Uh, I can't find it now. But it kind of makes sense if the ambo in the old days were high, you know, and you had to go up the um, of the steps. Oh, it's M. H. William from a book called The Psalms, a prayer book, New York by Benziger Brothers. Hmm. So never heard of it. Everybody has a theory. <laughs> yeah, they do. All right, so enough of the theories. This is what the the texts say. So at 61, after the first reading follows the responsorial psalm, which is an integral part of the liturgy of the word. Don't replace it with other songs. That's right. Great liturgical and pastoral importance, since its purpose is to foster meditation on the word of God. So, no. Is that that your experience? Is that what the psalm does? Most of the time. It's a distraction from the word of God with <laughs> arms going up and down and people who are making a show out of it and so, you know, anyway. Yeah. But even if there was, even if that weren't the case, 
You say you've got a great cantor, a great setting of the psalm, uh, sung uh, prayerfully and whatnot. I mean, as the hearer and participant of the psalm, is it think, ah, this is really helping me to meditate on the first reading that I just heard, for example? Yeah, it should. Yeah. Yeah, no, so I think it's a good reminder. I mean, you know, that I don't, well, oftentimes I'm the one singing it. And I know you are too, Dennis. Uh, um not anymore. You're you're more worried about intervals and how does this go? Things <laughs> right. like that. But anyway, uh, but what you said before, it should correspond to each reading and taken from the lectionary. Yeah. So there's they are kind of proper to each mass. They 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 form part of the larger fabric of uh, the readings of that day. Let's see. Sixty one continues. It's preferable that the psalm be sung, right? Because it's uh, these are that's how they were composed. Is they were always meant to be sung at least as far as the people's response is concerned, hence the psalmist or the cantor. You remember our special minister called the psalmist? Mm-hmm. As her only job is to sing the psalm. Uh, sings the psalm versus at the ambo or another suitable place. So this is actually kind of a common question. I mean, should you sing it from the choir loft? Can you sing it from the choir loft? Is it ideal you sing it from the ambo? Right. And in the old gradual, if you actually go to a high mass or a sung mass and you hear it, Generally speaking, the choir would sing it. It would be in chant. There would be no responsorial quality to it at all. It would just be something lovely and kind of uh, hard to understand being sung from the choir loft. Very complex notations of music and all in Latin. So uh, the extraordinary form sounds lovely, but unless you're really concentrating in your missile, you may not have any idea what it's about. So you can see the responsorial method was something after the council, I guess, and even before the council in some places where it would get people involved in yeah. putting the words on their lips. Although notice what this, how this sentence continues. So uh, the whole congregation sits and listens, normally taking place by means of the response, except when the psalm is sung straight through without a ah, response. So still permitted. Still permitted. Yeah. Who knew? Mm-hmm. All right. It says, uh, in order that the people may be able to sing the psalm response more easily, texts of some responses in psalms have been chosen for the different times of year or different categories of saints. And so these may be used instead of that proper psalm. So there is in the lectionary, that you would mention this before, Dennis, there is in the lectionary a section of uh, common responsorial psalms for different seasons and saints that, you know, I guess the idea is, is that you would eventually get used to singing these. Uh, you wouldn't have to be learning a new psalm uh, every week. So like right now, I'm the kind of the default uh, cantor at my own little parish, St. Philip's. And so I have to learn a new psalm every week. But, you know, like at the LI, I remember you guys, you had to learn a brand new set of psalms, not just between the readings, but at the entrance and at communion every single day. And I I didn't mention that was a little taxing, eh? Yeah, well, sometimes we cheated a little bit if there were not a feast day. Let's we just would. say Dennis isn't working here anymore, and that's <laughs> probably the reason why. No, I'm just kidding. Well, we used to use the Sunday one on weekdays if for the entrance and communion if there was not a feast that day. And we used the common for a lot of the saints because we knew those, you know, and after a while you get to learn them. It would be very hard to learn a proper chant for every feast. Um, so like St. Teresa would use the common of virgins or holy women. And then that was not We too, don't. We didn't have bad. all of those. I, I vaguely remember singing a lot of Taste and See. Is that right? There was like a <laughs> lot of different settings to that. Well, that was for communion and fun, yeah, during yeah. Uh, some of the You, you don't mean the hymn Taste and See? No. Yeah. No, 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 not that one. <laughs> the goodness of the Lord. So let, let me ask you guys. So I'm. Uh, we just started using at my parish uh, the Adam Bartlett Source and Summit Missal. 
right? So we began at uh, the beginning of Advent. So we're still obviously working our way through the first cycle. But now at the LI, you would use the simple gradual from uh, Adam for a number of years. Do you find that once you've made uh, one cycle through that or two or three, that, oh yeah, I remember this one from fifth Sunday of ordinary time or something like that. Do they start to stick a little bit? Or is it like you're learning them all from new? Yeah. As Kinder, for sure. Yeah, for sure. For me, I've done it probably two cycles now yeah. and not as frequently or as often as Dennis where our liturgy schedule is a little bit different this year than in past. But I do definitely, I definitely know the common um, antiphons for sure because those come mm -hmm. up so frequently. So mm -hmm. when it's that, uh, when it's those days, Blessed Virgin Mary, Doctor of the Church, Martyr, that type of stuff, those I remember very well. Um, I don't know that I remember, you know, the fifth Sunday of ordinary mm, sure. time, you know. But, you know, here at the Abbey, they use Adam Bartlett's settings too, and I'm not part of the choir or the cantor or anything. And all of, then sometimes on weekdays, they don't give out the music, so one of those things will come up and it, it comes back, it, even though it was – three years ago when I was singing them at the LI, it's still in there and uh, it's pretty cool. And then when I go to class right after that and I'll, I'll say, what was the responsorial psalm today? I mean, what was the uh, communion antiphon in mass? And a few people had been to mass, you know, and then they sing it back and we talk about it a little bit. So it gets in there after a while. You know, I, Lest this turn into a, a giant commercial for uh, Adam Bartlett uh, uh, composition, sure. he wouldn't mind. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> he wrote a piece, uh, I think, for Adoramus Bulletin once on the the different uh, Latin chants, uh, ordinary, so uh, uh, the Sanctus and Agnus Dei and things like that. And there's some that are specific for ordinary times, some for Lent, some for Easter. And I remember what he wrote in there is, you know, they just begin to take on this kind of this feel, this texture that, oh, well, this sounds like Lent. I know that when I sing this Sanctus, the words are all the same, but the music kind of just uh, uh, evokes something in the memory or in the mind or the soul or something that is Lent-like. And when to hear you guys describe the antiphons in this way, I, th I think this is something that we're really sort of missing out on unless you're using Is that these. because they're all set to the hymn, Were You There? Is that why it sounds like Lent? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think Adam's <laughs> Or like a, you do the Holy Holy, but it's O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Holy, 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 Holy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so just, yeah. uh, the, just kind of a random thought on the, the – the, that extra layer of meaning that music can give to uh, the melody can give Absolutely. to the celebration. And, you know, hey, one thing about the uh, gradual, if you pay attention to the gradual, there's a verse and then there's a big long psalm in between and then there's a verse at the end. So, you know, the, the choir, if it's in an extraordinary form, will sing the, the um, a response essentially and then a psalm and then there's a response at the end. So what we call now the responsorial psalm was actually kind of responsorial even in the beginning, we just kind of split it up now into four or five parts, probably. But I don't. I would say it's not really foreign to the nature of the thing itself. You think about the Psalms at uh, morning prayer, evening prayer. There's a verse at the end, verse at the beginning. I mean, uh, yeah, an antiphon at the beginning and at the end. And so to split it up a little more, maybe so. Oh, what an innovation! But it's not that much an innovation, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, this this last paragraph here of number sixty one, I think, will be. Uh, surprising for many to know this. And I, I even had to go back and read this a couple of times. It's uh, And this is about uh, the manner of singing it, Dennis, as you're discussing. It says, in the dioceses of the United States, instead of the psalm assigned to the lectionary, there may be sung either the responsorial gradual from the graduale Romanum 
which is sort of written in the in the manner you just uh, described, or the responsorial psalm, or the Alleluia psalm from the Graduale Simplex. Yes. What is up? Almost on that? every time you look in the book, it gives you a text that's you know words of different then or Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. It says that as an option almost every time, especially in Easter season, right? Mm-hmm. And that confuses people because if you did it, they would think that was the beginning of the Alleluia before the gospel, right? But it's it sort of is. So go down to, so let's skip ahead a little bit. So this is about the acclamation before the gospel at number 62. Uh, looks like 63. Okay, so this is um, before the gospel, during the time when the Alleluia is prescribed, either the Alleluia Psalm or the responsorial psalm followed by the alleluia may be used. So you see what they're saying is most of us are used to, you have the psalm with a kind of a, a prop, with a response that isn't alleluia and you go through the psalm and then you sing this acclamation, alleluia with a verse and then you go into it. But what they're saying here and what the graduale simplex offers is this sort of combo hybrid psalm alleluia thing hmm. where you do the psalm with the alleluia and then you wouldn't do a gospel acclamation because you've sort of already done it. And then you go into the gospel. That's my read of this. So it wow. is. A, yeah, it is a little confusing, mm-hmm. isn't it? See, and that's why I'm between offices here and I don't have my graduale simplex. But I think if you were to look in the graduale simplex, which they're suggesting here, that's what you would find is this Alleluia psalm that would be, you know, one of these common settings with Alleluia is the refrain. And then you go right into the gospel. So And mm-hmm. let's talk about a graduale simplex, shall we? Let's. What's a, graduale? <laughs> What's a graduale? First of all, there's a triplex, right? And there's a simplex and there's a simple English. Is there gradual. a duplex? Uh, as far as I know, no. I live in a duplex, but there's nothing gradual about it. Although I do go up the stairs every day to go home. Um, yeah, the graduale simplex was, is in Latin. Well, wait, back up, back yeah. up and, and start with what's the graduale romanum. The Graduale Romanum is the collection of these proper texts, usually the Entrance Antiphon, Communion Antiphon, Offertory Antiphon. Uh, is the Responsorial Psalm in there too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And those are the long, complex chants. Is that the, is that the like, highest level? I know these are all kind of like there's a hierarchy here. Well, that's the one that is often mentioned first as a either the first option or the one that's listed first, if it's not specifically given as the yeah, first that's option. That's kind of the official music book of the Mass. Yep. That's it. And it was in different versions in different monasteries over the years. So one of the things that the leaders of the liturgical movement wanted to do was to collect them all and make a typical edition. So typical edition means you've looked at all the various versions and then you find out what's common to all of them and you fix any typos or mistakes or musical flourishes that some random monk added in, you know, Abbey in 1412 or something. And so that was something that the uh, liturgical movement folks really wanted. They wanted the Graduale Romanum to be the music book for the people. And if it couldn't be if it wasn't in, an, you know, an all in one place. But it's pretty complicated music uh, to sing, and it's pretty hard to just sing it back unless you're a pretty good reader of music and have the music in front of you. But that's the ideal. See, I think it's a good point, too, is, I mean, the, the liturgical movement figures prior to the council wanted the people, like Pius X, to, actual, to sing the actual texts of the Mass. But I think the... Uh, it, it appears that in most cases, these uh, the masses that were celebrated, and for a variety of reasons, were low masses or red masses, and there was provision at these masses, right, Dennis, that people could just sing hymns rather than um, the actual text of the mass. But this wasn't the mind of 
uh, the great leaders of the liturgical movement, they wanted people to sing actually, to sing the text. And it's as if we've sort of inherited after the council, the low mass hymn model that was not the norm and certainly wasn't the the desire of uh, of the popes and the liturgical movement leaders. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is the riches. This is the fullness of the church's liturgical books. Okay. But as you say, it's very difficult to sing. So what was the solution, if not the graduale romanum? The graduale simplex, which is actually mentioned in Sacrosanct Concilium as a thing, as a fruit of the Second Vatican Council, which every, if you heard the graduale simplex in mass, you would be like, this church is so preconciliar, right? They're singing chant in Latin and it's, you know, got this Latin text. This was actually, Sacrosanct Concilium said, a simpler version of the Graduale should be drawn up. I don't have the paragraph number. You probably know off the top of your head, Chris, but. It's one, it's, uh, it's, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I would have believed you. <laughs> Jesse would have believed you. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's just the fruit of Vatican II. Now, nobody was using that because, I mean, people did for a while. And occasionally they hear that at the extraordinary form, interestingly. Um, or more traditional ordinary form or whatever those things are called now. Um, but still, Latin, still a little complicated. And then people just defaulted to hymns a lot of the time. So people like Adam Bartlett and some others too, you know, not just Adam, uh, have taken these texts in their official English translations and tried to set them to chant melodies that somehow evoke the graduale Romanum in a way. So I remember asking Adam, like, how did you pick the mode? For each of your hymns, I, I went to the Graduale Romanum and I saw what mode it was in and tried to <laughs> replicate the mood, right? Because modes are, are not exactly like keys, but they have different moods. Some modes are triumphant. Some modes are kind of sad. You know, like a minor key sounds different from major keys. It's just it a rough example. And so he's trying to bring the glory and the, the content of the Graduale Romanum to people in the pews. What they do here on Sunday is the, um, there's some pretty good monks who sing a little, form a little scola on Sunday, and they sing the whole long graduale um, antiphon, and then repeat it. And then they break into Adam Bartlett's English one, and everybody does that during the communion procession. And then they sing the, the full long graduale romanum again at the end. So we get this the is tradition. Communion? This is communion, yep, this? on yeah, Sunday, okay. Sunday's uh, communion. Yeah. And they also make a video the monks send out every week with them practicing it. And you can practice it at home so that you're ready to mm -hmm. sing it on Sunday. I don't know how many people do that, but it's still – and they explain the meaning mm -hmm. of the That's words. That's a great idea. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Well, we, we've started to do at uh, St. Philip's. Again, we're using the Source and Summit uh, missile. Is, um, I'm, I'm alternating with my 14-year-old daughter, Agnes, doing the responsorial psalm. So she did it yesterday. I'll do it next week and things like that. And, you know – Agnes is a very uh, smart, talented young lady, but she's in some ways she's as 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 average as any other fourteen-year-old girl. She, what I mean by this is she's not some musical virtuoso or anything like that. And I think she would be intimidated by and find difficult to do. Let's say you were going to do some accompanied Jeleno psalm tone, is is really as as beautiful as those are, in my opinion, or you know some other type of psalm, but. She can learn the, the 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 psalm response and sing it to to the tones in a way that's very much in keeping with the uh, mind of the church. So, I don't know. This isn't happening everywhere, but you know, at the LI, at Benedictine, at my parish, and others, uh, we're I think we're moving in a good direction in uh, in this this regard. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Let's uh, let's see. So we're still in paragraph 61. Just something else <laughs> I, I want to. Uh, uh, well, we that, really like to expand on these things. Well, yeah. It, uh, so it talks about the garage valley simplex. But here's something that I had either forgotten or never noticed before, uh, where it talks about where you can get the text for these or the types of settings. It says also you can use psalms arranged in metrical form. Right. So there's um, I did. Didn't know that. I, Which means what? As opposed to the imperial form? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the scientists use metrical form. Everybody else. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what uh, the opposite of metrical would be, but it's generally where the words are primary and kind of the, the melody sort of grows out of it. But like the psalm response isn't in 4-4 four, four time or 3-4 time or 7-8. It's not measured or metered. Like most of, most hymns we know of are, you know, they go to a 4-4 four, four time or they're a... Uh, yeah, I was actually at the cathedral in Sioux Falls once, and the music director had people sing the metrical hymns, but in the chant method. So it would be so it was a melody that everybody knew, but you weren't. You didn't sound like you were the front line of the Prussian army, you know, marching through Poland or something. It was just like letting the words actually flow, letting the melody actually flow from the words. It was great. Jesse, can we go on to to paragraph 62 now, please? All right. This is the yeah. last one, Chris. Okay. And then you got to go to bed. Yeah. All, right. all right. What's the place with all the UFOs? Is that area 51? Area, area 51. 51. Yeah. This is paragraph 60. But not <laughs> Studio 54. That's <laughs> something <different> else. <laughs> all right. So this is about the acclamation before the gospel. After the reading that immediately precedes the gospel, the alleluia or another chant. Okay. Um, what? What? What's that other chant business that they have in mind? Uh, crickets? Michael, we need some crickets. <laughs> <laughs> I think it means, well, what happens on, after Ash Wednesday? There's no more hallelujah. So most places sing oh, something like, yeah. Praise, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay? Oh, yeah. Okay. Although, although as I, I actually don't know the answer to this. Um, I... Uh, praise to you, Lord Jesus, I think is somewhere in the lectionary. Should have thought to look this up beforehand. But anyways, so the Alleluia or the other chant or probably, you know, if the, what do they call it in the Graduale Romanum? Is it called the tract? Is that what precedes the um, the gospel? I'll keep reading and you look. Yeah, you're asking. I'll look it up while you uh, you come up with Say something okay. brilliant. You should ask the liturgy guys. That's a, that's yeah, a great exactly, question to ask them. Exactly. Uh, it's sung as the liturgical time requires. An acclamation of this kind constitutes a rite or an act in itself by which the gathering of the faithful welcomes and greets the Lord who is about to speak to them in the gospel. So we talked about some of this in, uh, I think it was the last podcast. You know, Jesse, you were, you were saying, what are some of these ritual elements that sort of manifest and signify that Jesus is coming to talk to you? Right, so it mm -hmm. had its its own minister, the deacon. It had incense. It had candles. The minister prepared himself by a special blessing. The people stood. They sang a little uh, little song, welcoming him. Things like that. So, you are right, Chris. The tract is the thing that replaces okay. the Alleluia during Lent. Yeah. So you you could open up your Graduale Romanum um, and sing uh, sing the tract if you wanted. That would be one of the other chants. I wonder if that's going to be on Wordle sometime soon. Tract. That's oh a five-letter word that nobody's going to know. 
President Minnis and his wife Amy introduced me to Wordle on Saturday. It's great. Friday. Love it. Now I'm a Wordle addict. It's terrible. Oh, you should try Quordle or Worldle. We need a liturgi- I'll tell you about it later. Liturgital. Yeah. Jesse, work on that. Liturgical. Would you guys want to guess which one of which one of the three of us has never heard of Wordle? Uh, I think uh, it's, it's obviously <laughs> Dennis. Ah, um. uh, you kids, your technology. Okay, it's sung by everybody standing. It is. Oh, that's what I wanted to ask, um, Dennis or Jesse. So the Graduale Romanum. Yes. Right. Uh, what, what's um. So it, it it contains all of these proper chants from the tradition. But what's the problem now? We have that we have two? readings and cycles. Yes. Yeah. Say more. Well, if you had one cycle of gospels, then they were all matched up with that gospel. Well, then we had two more cycles of gospels on Sunday, and did we write a bunch of new tracts and or uh, whatever we're talking about here? What are we talking about here? Graduals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. And, 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 and introits and communions and, and offertories. Yeah, you know this, uh, Jesse. What this reminds me of is your interview with Father uh, Williams about when they. Oh yeah, into uh, the Romanum. Yeah, so when they when the they changed the the breviary, well now all of a sudden the music coming out of the tradition didn't match the new arrangement of uh, the psalms, and this is a, I think a problem too is that the Graduale Romanum now had to account for a three year cycle, and so sometimes I don't know the last time you opened up your Graduale Romanum is they provide or try to provide, or in some instances do, three introits for each of the cycles or three psalms or whatnot. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little bit problematic. Anyway. Well, well, Adams has three different, like, has all three on the Sundays, and then you derive the, the weekday setting from whatever year it is. Yeah, that's the Alleluia verse he puts those in, yeah. Hmm, okay. All right. So what does it say? The verse, on the other hand, is sung either by the choir or the cantor. So uh, what are the rubrics here? The Alleluia is sung every time of year other than Lent. The verses are taken from the lectionary or the graduale. Mm-hmm. During Lent, instead of the Alleluia, the verse before the gospel as given in the lectionary is sung, but without an acclamation. It seems to say without an acclamation. I don't know. Do you have to precede? I, I think... I don't know. Our practice is is that you sing some sort of Lenten acclamation, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, or something like that, and then the the verse. But I don't know. That's actually what the books themselves direct. Do you? I don't know. If you don't know, Chris, nobody knows. That's what yeah. I that's what I say. <laughs> okay. It is also possible to sing the psalm or tract as found in the Graduale, and then it gives some. Uh, we, we've hit upon this before about when there's only one reading before the gospel. You can do the Alleluia Psalm or the Responsorial Psalm followed by the Alleluia. During the time when the Alleluia is not foreseen, either the Psalm uh, and verse before the gospel or the Psalm alone may be used, right? So you don't, there you go. You don't need to have that bookend acclamation, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. But it's nice. It's what we're used to, right? It's nice. That's right. Nice is one of the fundamental <laughs> principles by the council fathers. If it's right nice. next to, I like it. <laughs> the, the last, the alleluia or the verse before the gospel, if not sung, may be omitted. So if you're not going to sing it after the psalm, the... Uh, when there's only one reading before the gospel, the minister can just begin the, the gospel reading. Anyway. Now there's one last there, funky thing, Chris. Yeah. 64. 
64? A sequence. I thought we were just done with all these things. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> there's one little just sentence. keep coming. That says the sequence, which is optional, except on Easter Sunday and on Pentecost Day, is sung before the Alleluia. What is that? Yeah, the sequence... Um, there's a, if you do want to, I was reading this, I was, I did prepare this part a little bit. Uh, Father David Friel, who's a priest of uh, Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Yeah. Wasn't he the author of every single article in Adorimus Bulletin there for a while? No, that's you. Oh, okay. And he wrote a couple, <laughs> but they're, they're good ones. He wrote one on the sequences and he gives the history and whatnot. But a sequence is, is kind of this poetic text that, um, how did he put it? It's not essentially liturgical. But it's a part of the liturgy. That's its home is to be in the liturgy. Right. And so they're, ki they're kind of, I don't know, elaborations on texts and music that are proper for the mass. But uh, apparently they used to be everywhere. There used to be a great number of sequences. And I think even not just the Second Vatican Council, but I think the Council of Trent really uh, whittled down the number of sequences that are kind of these extra liturgical types of of uh, texts. Yeah. The old uh, Catholic encyclopedia, the 1903 one, calls it a liturgical hymn of the mass, which occurs on mm -hmm. festivals between the gradual and the gospel. Well, the hymn properly belongs to the breviary. See, this is what we've been saying all this time, right? Properly speaking, the hymn belongs to the liturgy of the hours, although this is a liturgical hymn, which on the one hand might sound, you know, oxymoron, not oxymoronic, but uh, it, def it defeats its own definition. There's a word for that. Mm -hmm. I can't think of it. Right? Mm -hmm. Redundant? No. <laughs> self, self. I don't know. There's, I can't think of it right now. So the uh, idea is that it's a little more flexible. It doesn't have the usual, um, you know, predictability of a hymn. And it was there for feast days to really bring out the importance. So when do we sing them now? Easter? Which one is that? Was that Lauda? Victime Pascalis Laudas. And you can say it's optional for the whole uh, octave. You can sing that. The Pentecost one is uh, Vene Sancte Spiritus. And those are the two mandatory ones. Corpus Christi has an optional one, Lauda Zion. That's uh, Composed by uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, but what was the most popular, they say, uh, sequence that you don't hear now anymore? Tantamergo? No. Is that a sequence originally, Tantamergo? Or is that always a hymn? Uh, yeah, Tantamergo is, the I think, the last couple of verses of Lauda Sion. Ah, okay. I think it's the Dies Irae. Yeah, from the Requiem Mass. Yeah. And I don't know that that's... I don't know if you can use that anymore or not in the ordinary form. And then the Stabat uh, Mater Dolorosa mm. is... Uh, the last one. But again, there used to be a great number of these, and I think uh, they were pared down both at Trent and possibly and at the Second Vatican Council uh, just to, to, to keep us focused on more properly liturgical things. Anyway. All right. Yep. Is this a, a – you mentioned that we might do this in two parts. Is there another section to this that we're going to – Oh, yeah. We have to – well, okay. think back to the last podcast. What, what concludes the Liturgy of the Word? It's not the sequence. The homily. Uh, the prayer, the universal prayers of the church. That's right. Ding, ding. Oh. So we have you to get come back and do the next quiz. Just we have to do the homily. Uh, Dennis, we both took that quiz. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Please don't listen <laughs> to anything I say. What? Okay. Hey, if you like the liturgy, guys, uh, what do you usually say at this point, Jesse? Do we have a question? <laughs> you tried to take my job. You tried to take my job. You did it poorly. Let's yeah. just acknowledge that. All right, and now back. we're about to go in. Hey, guys, I think it's time for a liturgy question. I'll go back That's in my corner. 
back in my yeah, corner. Everyone's ready. Everyone's ready. <laughs> hey, Jesse, do well, we have a liturgy hey, question? Hey, yeah, we do. Oh, that seems you, like the next, in this sequence of things, that seems like the next thing. All right, right? you're well the best. Played. Can somebody well cut played. off his mic, please? <laughs> Mail call. Mail call. Oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? In my case, sir, the question is totally without meaning. Okay, this week we have a question from Samantha. Samantha says, Chris, this question is for you. I recently started taking your class on Liturgy of the Hours. I absolutely love it, by the way. You just inserted that. You inserted that. That's not no, that's what she was. said. Wow. That's what she said. Thanks, Samantha. She says, I want to start doing this with my family. Unfortunately, our schedule doesn't allow us to do every one of the hours. Is there a place that we should start? Or rather, is there a hierarchy of importance of hours that we should focus on? Yeah, I think that to the second question, there is a hierarchy of hours. And that's uh, either morning prayer or evening prayer. Or the, what does it say in Sacrosanctum Concilium? The hinge hours, the cardinal hours. I can't remember. So yeah, so those... Uh, of the seven different hours from office of readings, morning prayer, then the three uh, daytime hours, evening prayer, night prayer, it's morning prayer and evening prayer that are the most uh, important. Um, between those two, I don't know. I mean, I've heard of solemn vespers, but not solemn lauds before, but uh, I don't know which of those two would get uh, top billing if in fact one of them would. But to the first question, is there a place to start? So maybe one of those two, but night prayer, um, maybe in the home would be the place to start because it's it's a little bit shorter. Uh, I think it might be more accessible. It's on a seven-day cycle and the readings don't change, yeah. so you don't need any ribbon. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think um, maybe night prayer, if you're going to start with a family, would be the place that I would uh, recommend. Yeah. And, you know, there's we talk about the germ all the time, the general instruction of the Roman Missal, but there is also a... Uh, how do you say this? Jill? That <laughs> <Yeah, it> doesn't <laughs> work. A general <laughs> instruction of the liturgy of the hours, right? So many of your it's questions. It's funny. I knew what you were doing. Yeah. I knew what you were going to say, so I was trying to figure it out in my head. <laughs> a gil, uh, it sounds kind of Hebrew, doesn't it? A gil, uh, um, and that is paragraph 29. It says, the two hinge of the liturgy hours are morning and evening prayer and should not be omitted except for a serious reason. Now, that's talking about priests, bishops, and other people who have the mandate to um, to celebrate the Liturgy of the Hours entirely. But if you had to make a choice, morning prayer and evening prayer, are the rising and setting, the biggest, the longest ones, most important. And I don't think we can go on without saying what, we, what, what the three of us are thinking. Uh, <laughs> one of the best and easiest ways to do this is to use the Mundelein Psalter. Oh, so yeah. if you want to check that out. Which doesn't uh, even include do the either. other hours, so you have no choice. There's even a video of Dennis uh, yeah. demonstrating how to sing them. Yeah, the, tell me where that is, Jesse. Actually, Samantha, that's in the class curriculum. We've included that into the curriculum. Um, really? Do I get royalties if it's for not, that? If it's, no. No. You're not a part of this. <laughs> Actually, you know what, Dennis? We did that before you uh, quit, so we got <laughs> in your time. Yeah. So um, anyway, but that's that's embedded in that curriculum. You can find it there. But it's also on YouTube if you want to find out more information about that. But that's a great way to start both singing and doing morning prayer and evening prayer. So, Samantha, I hope that answers your question. And if you have a question for us, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com. Thank you, and God bless. Another episode of Liturgy Guys has mercifully come to an end. 
Our hosts are Chris, Get Out of My Dreams and Into My Carsons, Dennis, Big McNamara, and Jesse Y.O.Y.O. Weiler. Our producers are Michael, Don't Be So Coy, and Nathan, First Round Draft Pickman. Our epiclesis inspector is Isabel Ringing. Our liturgical bookkeeper is Miss L. Romano. Our official aerobics instructor is Jen Uflecht. Our enforcer of choral discipline is Don B. Flat. Our official rubrics interpreter is Dewey Neal. Our self-gift provider is Kenosis. Our simplicity enforcer is Fran Siskin. And lastly, our crack team of confessors is Dewey Shrivam and Howe. And even though overstoles become understoles when they hear us say it, we are the, the Liturgy, Liturgy Guys. guys.